About this movie, a critic for Empire Magazine says, against the odds of a feeble script and uninspired direction, the duo do, in fact, grow on you, and there are a smattering of silly laughs. Karen James of the New York Times notes that the most peculiar aspect of the movie is that some of it is played straight. And Letterboxd user Sean O'Conn says, As a little blonde-headed fat boy, this was the closest to representation I ever saw as a kid. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Tommy Boy. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Two hosts in a little podcast. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, was like, no. I don't want to like fat shame us because we're body positive here on the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, welcome to Ruined Childhoods. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your favorite podcast where Period. two brothers talk about movies and have ideas about remakes, reboots, sequels, etc. Yeah. Continuation of legacy. Yeah, uh, Dan, I loved our last episode on Amadeus. That was really fun, and... The more I thought about it and the more like I told people about it, the more excited I got about it, which was really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really fun to do that one. And it's it fills me with so much joy that we're going to do Tommy Boy on this episode because they're yes. so different from each other. Yet I did manage to find a, oh, a yeah. connection. Okay. Between the two. So, and not necessarily with Tommy Boy. So, okay. So, okay. we're going to be talking about Tommy Boy, 1995. The, the, the first real, like, Chris Farley, David Spade. Well, there's really only two. Chris yes. Farley and David Spade collaborations. Uh, Tommy Boy. And then Black Sheep, which was pretty much just kind of, uh, let's take Tommy Boy and kind of tinker with it a little bit and then we'll call it black sheep yeah. so the connection with amadeus is actually to black sheep Got and it. that is because in black sheep uh chris farley plays the brother of a politician who's running for governor of washington state uh right. where i live and oh uh, i know i know the opponent yes, the, the opponent governor. is played by christine ebersole that is right who is in Amadeus? Who is the opera singer? Yes. Yes. Okay. There's a connection. Uh, but before we go too much <laughs> that's, further, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get too much further into that, I have a few news bits. I uh, so let's see. I uh, one of them has to do with a movie that we've covered before, so I'll start with that one. So, Dan, have you heard about Zorro 2.0? I believe I have. I, th okay. There, I, I remember. I remember reading about a number of Zorro like reboot projects. So, this is according to Slash Film. The headline is Zorro 2.0 will reboot the classic character as a hacker. So, yeah, uh, the film reimagines the iconic character as Oscar De La Vega, a young undocumented hacker known as Z Zero R R Zero. While fighting back against a secret government unit that attacked his mother, 
he discovers a high-tech conspiracy uh, that threatens not only his family, but the world. So a, a real reimagining of Zorro. Um, you know what? It's like, all right, take it in a completely different direction. Fine by me. Yeah, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't, who am I to like say I'm okay with it or not? I don't own the, you know, the rights, but <laughs> I would say it's you kind don't own of the like, rights to Zorro. It's kind of like this kind of thing would work for me if it is acknowledged that the 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 hacker character is knowingly taking their you know their their kind of identity or their their like right. online identity from Zorro and that they are modeling themselves after Zorro cuz then otherwise it just feels like well okay you could have just made this movie and not tried to like just piggyback on the Zorro legacy yeah like, I don't know, I guess for me, there's something I have a very traditional view on uh, on Zorro. And uh, I would like, well, I certainly wouldn't mind some tweaks to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of like more down with the whole like, you know, Antonio Banderas remake. the Sure, Alan the Dillon. more traditional swashbuckling type yeah, situation. Yeah, because we kind of, we we do still, I think, need that. Well, so. I, I mean, I, I'd be curious to see what they what they do with this if this ends up happening for real. Yeah, but yeah, uh, another one. This is another slash film one, and this is less of a news bit and more of just an article that uh, kind of sprung from an interview that Joel Cohen did. But uh, the headline is the Cohen brother movie. Cohen brothers movies you didn't realize were part of a trilogy, and these are not necessarily connected movies but there is what i uh, i guess joel cohen considers the numbskull trilogy and they oh, are the movies in which george clooney is just a complete dumbass so like burn after reading hail caesar and oh brother where art thou so those are just like the the numbskull trilogy which i think is so nice it's uh, a a fun way to think about their movies as kind of having a, a thread to them yeah, well, it's it's funny because you can you can kind of break their movies into those little groupings, and I I I like your what was it No Good Nicks? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's I mean yeah, I forget that, what that one was. Yeah, um, yeah, I just remembered No Good Nicks, but <laughs> I feel like the there's no like there's almost there's like the Hollywood like there's Hail Caesar, Barton Fink, that kind of work with each other and i i don't think the stu like it's the same studio from barton fink that's in hail caesar uh just because i schmucks schmoes and no good nicks schmucks schmoes and no good nicks yeah. yes uh um good memory dan i had forgotten all about that oh no well as soon as you started to say it uh, and then <laughs> and then when you said what was it the like not the dumbass trilogy but numbskull the, Numbskull trilogy. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, it's like like that. The schmucks and yeah, no, I forget it already. But uh, uh, schmucks, anyway, yeah, schmoes and no goodness. Schmuck, schmucks, schmoes and no goodness. Right. So, and I feel like it's like Fargo. 
could almost fit into the same. Actually, I'm thinking more of the TV series would fit with like yeah, Miller's Crossing. I, yeah, I think that uh, for them, it's really just the the George Clooney as that particular type of character uh, yeah. through line rather than like an actual kind of like thematic thematic trilogy type of situation. By the way, uh, my my dog Rufio is right next to me chewing on a toy. So if anybody hears something, that's what that is. Um, bangarang, bangarang, uh, and Dan, I've got one more, another slash film news bit. Uh, White Men Can't Jump is getting a remake. Oh, okay. This was news as of today, the day we're recording this, December 1st. Um, yeah, uh, the new script for White Men Can't Jump comes from Kenya Barris, who has been working on the project for years, and Doug Hall with Barris also producing. Blake Griffin, former NFL player, for Blake Griffin former NFL player Ryan Khalil and Noah Weinstein are executive producing through their uh, Mortal Media banner. So, uh, I I mean, you know what? We'll see. I watched White Man Can't Jump not too long ago. Um, and it's, you know, it's great. And, and Kenya Barris, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, was, is, you know, is involved with like Black AF, Blackish, Mixedish, Mixedish, Grownish. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then wrote Barbershop, The Next Cut, Girls Trip, uh, The 2019 Shaft, um, Coming to America. So, yeah. If I may, if I may. So I also recently watched White Man Can't Jump Uh as it was streaming on Stars. Uh, The unsung hero. Well, you know what else is streaming on Stars? Black Sheep. Uh, (laughs) Right. So um, anyway, having rewatched it recently and thinking about the story of it, I actually think it, a remake is a great idea. Oh, yeah. I, it, it is actually it's great fodder for a remake, because even though the screenplay for the original Ron, Ron Shelton wrote yeah. is uh, is really great and witty and funny. I like I don't it's not necessarily like a signature like you wouldn't like a Coen Brothers movie, you wouldn't try to remake, you know, The Big Lebowski. (laughs) Uh, Right. Because it's so signature to them. But I feel like White Men Can't Jump, even though, like, the sports comedy thing was definitely Ron Shelton's, like, jam. Yeah. I I actually think that, like, having an updated sensibility to it um, and maybe coming at it with with a different sense of humor, a different voice... Uh, I I see a lot of potential in a white man can't jump remake. There's no reason why they couldn't do it successfully. It's you know it's a story that doesn't depend on a certain time period or technologies or anything. You know it's like no, the only thing that I'm wondering. Much... The only thing I'm wondering is how are they going to handle Jeopardy? Ah. Uh, mm. mm. Yeah, I mean, well, you got to think that that's got to, I mean, not that Jeopardy's not still a thing, but. Oh, I'm sure they'll do something different, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's all, it's, yeah, it's a different, you know, it's a different landscape, so. Yeah. But I think it's so, it's very transferable. Totally. From 92 to, it'll be 30, 30 years uh, this, this spring. Wow. Of white men can jump. Now, what I thought the question was going to be: Do you think that they're going to bring Woody and Wesley in for for cameos? Oh, not I'm that sure, I think they should. I'm sure not, they'll try. Not that I think that they should necessarily reprise that. I feel like this could be a new thing, and yeah. 
I wouldn't it would be fine if there were no Wesley or Woody cameos, but I think it would be cool. Even just kind of like even a uh, like the like a the Duke Brothers cameo in Coming to America. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, Rosie Perez, she's still yeah. out there. She's getting she's getting a lot of work lately. So that's you know. true. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Rosie. Maybe Rosie Perez is the host of Jeopardy in this. Oh, maybe her character. it's her character that would be perfect. That would be awesome. Right. I mean, I know oh, this is not a white men can't answer. jump episode. And I know. I mean, I think it just became one. This is a <laughs> Tommy Boy episode. So why don't we talk about Tommy Boy? Well, speaking of uh, who who could surprisingly jump, <laughs> a, uh, yeah. a white a white man who was surprisingly agile, and uh, Chris Farley definitely gets the show. The Chris Farley cartwheels are things of beauty. Oh, they really are. They're their own yeah. special thing. Yeah, yeah, they really are. So, Tommy Boy, nineteen ninety five. Uh, it, it's it's your classic Lorne Michaels blue background on the poster. Production. Yeah, with clouds. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Clouds. <laughs> yeah. So here I'll do a little synopsis for anybody who either hasn't seen it or maybe has forgotten some of the plot points. But here we go. Tommy Callahan the third is a complete screw up. He barely gets his college degree, and he's been the laughing stock of his peers for his entire life, especially Richard, who now works for Tommy's dad, Thomas Callahan Jr president and CEO of Callahan Auto Parts. But Tommy's ineptitude is okay for now. Since he graduated college, it's on him to get his act together and learn the business from his dad, so he is one day savvy enough to take over the family business. But everything changes when Tommy's dad abruptly passes away at his own wedding reception, leaving a struggling business with a brand new brake pad wing to his new wife Beverly and Tommy. Tommy finds out that the only way to save the struggling business without the man who held the company together at the helm is to sell 500,000 units of brake pads in order to prove to the bank that they are worthy of a business saving loan. Tommy heads out on the road with Richard to try to save the company, but doesn't count on Tommy's new stepbrother, Paul, who is actually Beverly's husband and not son. Paul is dead set on sabotaging Tommy and Richard's efforts so the business has to sell to a large auto parts manufacturer out of Chicago, netting Paul and Beverly a solid chunk of change. Luckily, Tommy's girlfriend back home, Michelle, catches wind of Paul and Beverly's shadiness and has a background check run on them that turns the entire scheme back into Tommy's favor, resulting in Tommy saving Callahan Auto Parts for good. So, that's the long and short of it. I mean... This movie certainly was successful because of the chemistry between Chris Farley and David Spade and uh, watching the two of them in, you know, the Chris Farley complete uh, maniac mode to David Spade's like straight, sarcastic, uh, you know, wisecracking, insulting <laughs> little buddy and and, you know there's there's an awesome like back and forth and the way that their characters develop is nice and honestly it's like i see some real acting coming from david spade in this movie which you know is surprising anyway yeah so um yeah oh keep going you're playing no um yeah no in fact it's funny there was a uh yeah, you know what scene it was? It, it, there's the scene when, like, uh, oh, man, I'm looking at my notes because I really thought I had this one written down. <laughs> um, but 
there it's kind of like when he gets it it's like when richard finally figures out how to explain like selling to tommy right yeah so uh that would be the scene oh, with helen the waitress with helen the waitress and uh, if you give me a moment, I'm 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 just loading in all of our sound clips because I completely <laughs> forgot to do that before. But uh, basically, what happens is they uh, they just hit like their lowest point. They haven't sold anything, and uh, Tommy's just making a complete ass of himself at every turn. And uh, they, you know, it gets to like their car's destroyed, and Richard David Spade's character like whacks Tommy in the face of the board. And they're at their like lowest point. And then they go into this like roadside diner. And then we get this wonderful scene. And you, what can I get? Jesus, what happened to your face? I knew it. See, Richard, I'll have chicken wings. Kitchen's closed until dinner. Just got cold stuff and desserts. Boy, some chicken wings had really hit the spot. You sure it's closed? Let me check. Yep, it's closed. Okay. I'll just have a sugar packet or two. <laughs> hey, what's your name? Helen. That's nice. You look like a Helen. Helen, we're both in sales. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Let's say I go into some guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. Well, then I get all excited. I'm like, Jojo, the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet. The pet is my possible sale. Oh, my pretty little pet. I love you. So I stroke it, and I pet it, and I massage it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. And then I take my naughty pet, and I go... <laughs> oh! I killed it! I killed my sail. <laughs> That's when I blow it. That's when people like us have got to forge ahead, Helen. Am I right? God, you're sick. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll go turn the fryers back on and throw some wings in for you. Hey, thanks, Helen. Tommy likey. Tommy want wingy. Did that board of the head knock something loose? What are you talking about? That 180 you just pulled with the waitress. Why can't you sell like that? I was just having fun. If we didn't get the wings, so what? We still got that meat lover's pizza in the trunk. Hey, you got the wings because you were relaxed. So you had confidence. And that's what it takes to sell. Confidence. Your dad had that. Yeah. So that's definitely the scene where things really turn around and Richard sees him as, you know, somebody with potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I th that was one of those scenes where I thought, like, you really saw some nice moments with, with David Spade. And, I mean, Chris Farley's hilarious in that scene he's amazing yeah yeah um yeah so anyway i mean the movie's pretty much like you know it's your standard road road movie with a you know comedy pair road road that's from black sheep oh yeah <laughs> i only when they're high it, off uh, the nitrous that got punctured in the car and they're looking at the road map and they're talking about how funny the word road is Oh, I did not get I watched like a little bit of Black Sheep. <laughs> I haven't watched it in like, well, I mean, I guess I watched it like a few months ago, maybe. I guess you watched it recently enough to remember it. <laughs> I, that part sticks out for me. And maybe this is another one of those like generational things where like it was more uh, 
prominent in my life than in yours because maybe I just happened to be watching more HBO at that time than you were. That came out when I was in college, so I was on yeah. like a a strict like indie film, oh, di- like yeah. <laughs> pretty like indie and classics diet. <laughs> yeah, of of films. So, but I, I mean, I, I, I watched Black Sheep at at some point. I think probably when it like came out on VHS and uh-huh. was in the video store. And um, I think it also Robin? played on like Comedy Central nonstop. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it yeah. did. Um, and some great casting in here. Um, so first of all- The late, great Bra- Brian Dennehy. Yes. Poor yes. one out. Indeed. Uh, Brian Dennehy. And he's just so, like, he's just so loving. And even when even when Tommy's, you know, when they're walking through the, uh, the factory towards yeah. the beginning, and Tommy is just a total- being a complete and total idiot. Uh, yeah, he's kind of amazing. Uh, I do want to play the part where they first go into uh, Tommy's new office. Yes, yes. One of my favorite Denny moments. Okay, left. <laughs> Can I open my eyes now, Dad? I, I told you you have to close them in the first place, son. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, open them up. That's my name. Yeah, that's your new office now, college grad. Go on in there. <laughs> awesome. Hey, there's even a fridge. This is great. You can put six packs of soda in here, milk, <laughs> yogurt. You can put candy bars in the freezer. Anything that you want to keep cool. Mr. Callahan, <laughs> I need your John Hancock on these reports. John Hancock. It's Herbie Hancock. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, check out my new office. You have a window. And why shouldn't you? You've been here 10 minutes. The way that he delivers the line, you could put six packs of soda in here is so good. Well, and then Dennehy with the anything you want to keep, keep cool. Yeah. It, it, like, it, it's like he found the one way to say yeah. that and not sound condescending. Totally. Yeah. No, he he's totally playing it perfectly. Like the loving dad who's just like, this is my son. And yeah. you know what? He's a little different, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Brian Denny's great, and and I, you know, the that's really like you know the emotional core of, of the movie is when yeah. he is is his passing, uh, right. And I also I thought the you know the casting of Bo Derek, um, right. Is great. It it allows, of course, for the uh, tr- tribute to uh, to ten. Can I have my eyes now, Dad? For God's sake, son, will you quit covering your damn eyes? <laughs> I love that. Holy shnikes! Getting out of the pool. Is that for me? No, son, that's for me. Oh man, Dad, she's like a ten. Hi, honey. Hi. It's so interesting because, like, I know that the movie 10 is iconic in because of, like, Bo Derek's, I don't know if performance is even the right word, but presence. Yeah. Like, it's known for just the fact that Bo Derek is a total babe. Like, I don't know if anybody... Uh, if I went up to a person on the street and asked them to tell me the plot of the movie 10... 
I it would take me maybe a year to find somebody who could do it. Uh, but, you know, if anybody's familiar with it at all, all they know about it is Bo Derek. Well, so. I mean, you know, not not for that. And look, I mean, I'll be I don't think I've ever seen it. If I have, I don't remember it. But it is. But a you blanket. know what it is because of the image of Bo Derek. I'm pretty sure Dudley Moore plays a, a pianist in it. Okay. I don't, that's, a, that's as I much do know as Dudley I Moore is in it. You. Dudley Moore is in it. And yeah, Blake Edwards uh, wrote, I believe wrote, wrote and directed it. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, no, it's an interesting, it, it's interesting because I guess like maybe because this comes out in 1995 and I think 10 came out in like 1980. So yeah. It, this was probably at the tail end of like that reference being understood. You know by... what? And and even if it's not a reference that's understood, it still works just as a line. Well, yeah. I mean, look, it's it. Let's put it this way: it, it's a reference that more people are going to get probably than the Amadeus reference in Last Action Hero. You think? I, I. I'm pretty sure that you've got just as much chance of walking into a theater in 1993, a like a matinee of Last Action Hero, and finding people who can explain the a Amadeus matinee references of Last Action Hero. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. An evening showing, you might have more adults. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, but... so uh, you know, and then uh, you know, Rob Lowe as the uh, as Paul, um, dirtbag Rob Lowe. Another one of his great, Paul. <laughs> another one of his great Lorne Michaels comedy. Yeah, you know, it is so funny villain. how, I mean, clearly he's buds with like you know Mike Myers. They did you know Wayne's World and then Austin Powers. I think he was in the second one or the third one. Yeah, he's in the second one. He's the second he, one. Yeah, he's number the young, young version number of number two. two. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. He fits into this like comedy world but you know but it's, I don't know. you think you think about his career and it's like okay so how did rob Lowe become famous well okay so he's teen heartthrob in the 80s with the yeah. outsiders and sure. saint elmo's fire well uh, that sax yeah um <laughs> i'm thinking of like joel schumacher and sax players and uh, yeah uh because joel schumacher directed saint elmo's fire yeah and the Lost but, Boys. Yeah, so Rob Lowe's like career, like the the part of his career that really put him on the map was not he did not do comedy like ever. Right. Really. Yeah, and and you know, he does show up in these things as the bad guy, which is I it seems like probably a lot of fun for him. And uh, yeah. you know, he's kind of just having fun. I mean, a lot of people now know him from things like Parks and Rec. And uh, fewer people probably know him from The Grinder, although The Grinder was so Dude, good. The Grinder, ah, uh, such a good show. Everyone, please, if you have this, is our great opportunity. Seek it out. There is but one season of it. Find it on Hulu. Fred Savage, Rob Lowe, the great William Devane. I was going to say the great Timothy Oliphant, but yes, William Devane, of course, and, our favorite. Oh, the legendary Timothy Oliphant. Yes, uh, Timothy Oliphant, who plays himself 
<laughs> brilliantly. And is the foil to, to, to Rob Lowe's character. It's so yeah. amazing. But then you also like Rob Lowe did, you know, what I like think four seasons of The West Wing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a good dramatic actor in his own right. But I dare say, like, I feel like comedy, whether he's playing the the villain in a, in one of these movies or being, you know, in like in Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so incredibly likable. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to a Literally. No. Yes. Uh, right. So, you know, this movie, as we were saying before, like it really hinges on the chemistry between Chris Farley and David Spade. Who knows if this would have worked with anybody else? Uh, I believe that the role of Richard was maybe originally supposed to go to Adam Sandler, but he was doing Billy Madison. Uh, and and it's hard to imagine what it would have been like with somebody like Adam Sandler, who's also a more zany actor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and especially at that time, we at know time, Adam Sandler yeah. is definitely, yeah. So, but it's also, it's hard to imagine Dave anyone other than David. I think also because David Spade definitely put his own stamp on this part. And yeah. it, it definitely feels like there are, there are scenes that kind of hinged on their personas. Like for Farley, you know, the scene we just listened to with Helen the Waitress very much yeah. in his wheelhouse. Uh, you know, the part when he, when Rob Lowe's hosing him down at the gas oh station God. and he's doing Maniac. Uh, um, so funny. And then, but David Spade has, you know, the scene where they're on the plane, where they're posing as flight attendants. We're going to get busted. Let's get out of here. Too late. Hey, guess who's here? <laughs> what are we serving tonight? Chicken or chicken? <laughs> what a nice surprise. They said we were going to be shorthanded this leg. You two take coach. Oh, and could you handle the announcements? Okie dokie. No problemo. I'm going to know we're bogus. Relax. You get on the horn. I'll throw some peanuts at him. We'll be in Chicago before you know it. Okay, folks. The guy in front of you is Tommy. He'll be taking you through my little spiel here. Tommy is a Scorpio. He likes biking, and he's never been laid. Exits. Okay, there's one back here. And there's uh, probably one over by the wing somewhere, usually. And what about seat belts? Too fasten. Take the little end and stick it in the big end, and you know what? If you guys don't know how to use a seat belt, just ring your call button, and Tommy will come back there and hit you on the head with a tack hammer because you're a <laughs> Okay, and life preservers. These we may need. Although, what are the odds of us actually hitting a leg? My money says, if anything, it's going to be a mountain. To inflate, put it around your neck and yank down on the tab. He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? So what's perplexing to me about that scene is that David Spade's character is so nervous about being busted, yet he's a total wise ass on the speaker. He doesn't even try to sound convincing. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I think it was like his bit from SNL where they where he was the flight attendant. OK, oh, bye bye. I yeah, I know. But like he comes on to the thing being like, they're going to catch us. They're going to catch us. So it's almost like mm. it would have made more sense if. He was the one that was more confident about it working. Uh, and Tommy was the one who was maybe more nervous about getting caught. 
I don't know. Right. Yeah. But at this point, you know, Tommy's the one that's coming up with all the great ideas to, to get them to Chicago to try to save their company. So, yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe, Dan Aykroyd, yeah. speaking of, of uh, Zelensky. Great casting. Yep. Yes. I love when Dan Aykroyd does the, the fast talking Chicago bit. Uh, he's I so make great cars. I make parts for cars. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I can't uh, for the American people, because that's what I am, and that's what I care about, or whatever he says. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's so good. Um, this, you know, uh, let's see. When did uh, when did Coneheads come out? Because it was ninety three. Yeah. Okay. So right around this time, and then Chris Farley's in that, definitely. But yeah, this right. is when Dan Aykroyd's got his whole like fast talking thing nailed down. He is. Yeah. Uh, capitalizing on that for sure and another def- another lorne michaels uh blue sky with clouds poster right yeah yeah and, and i feel like dan Aykroyd kind of always came out to pop up in into these movies any of the snl movies that were made like dan Aykroyd will come in and, and pop up and make an appearance mm-hmm. i feel like he's a good solid company guy that way <laughs> yeah right i uh, oh Reminds me, uh, I saw the new Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Dan, I don't know if I talked to you much about it. Uh, I think that if I did, the only thing I would have said is that it is a delight. It is a real delight. And uh, it, it does what it seeks out to do. And you're either along for the ride or, you know, maybe you won't enjoy it so much. But uh, there's that. And also, like, off topic... Uh, but still having to do with uh, with reboots, I saw the new West Side Story the other day. Oh, really? And, yeah, I went to a, an industry screening of it, and uh-huh. it was really nice. It was really good. It was very nice. Spielbergy. I, uh, well, I mean, I'm not that. I'm not really super big into musicals, and I felt like it worked. There was a lot of stuff that worked about it, and. Uh, it definitely didn't feel like it takes anything away from the original and the things that I noticed that were different about it, I think were good choices. So my endorsement for the new West side story. Okay. And while we're on this tangent, I will also add in also in uh, more of the sequel realm. Uh, I had, I got to see no time for die, no time to die. Oh, and yeah. What did so, you think? I saw that one. I really liked it. I really yeah. liked it. Um, I did. I now caveat here. I did not see it in the, in a theater. Uh-huh. I watched it on demand, which also allowed for some strategic, like pausing and like we watched a little. We watched like two hours of it before going to dinner, and then finished it after Got dinner. It. So it was a good. It wasn't because it's a long movie, two hours and forty minutes. But yeah. Um, and I thought definitely a, a fitting send off for for Daniel Craig. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Skyfall like really was just like a perfect movie. It's and hard to top Skyfall. Skyfall's so good. And I and this one was kind of it more felt like Spectre Part 2. I uh, you know, which was kind than, of the- yeah, like Daniel Craig James Bond Part 5. Right, yeah. Although I have to say, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than Spectre. Uh, I think I enjoyed them equally. I really loved the opening scene in Spectre, 
uh, the Day of the Dead. Yeah. In like Mexico. And it, I thought that that was really cool. Um, there were a lot of things about it that I really, about Spectre that I really enjoyed that this one didn't really have. And I was a little disappointed that like Ana de Armas wasn't in it as much as I thought she would be. Uh, Cause she, her character was really interesting. And I thought that there was yeah. more that they could have done with that. Uh, I, I, I have to wonder if that was meant to be more of a ca- character, a little character introduction uh, uh, to come back in the next iteration. Cool. Well, cause I feel like it, it's gonna like Lashana Lynch will be the new 007. Uh-huh. I think, or at least I hope that's the direct, like that's what they seem to be setting up mm-hmm. is, is carrying on with Lashana Lynch. And, um, and I think that if you have the Ana de Armas character as maybe like her Felix lighter, her Felix. Yeah. Yeah. So I I thought it was I I I well, really we'll see. I, we'll see. I enjoy, I enjoyed it, but I also think it actually benefited from not not going to the theater and seeing it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I really like seeing the Bond movies in the theater. Uh just because it's a big especially yeah. this like last iteration. Uh oh, yeah. they're just so big and they really just suck you in. So I definitely try to see them in the theater if I can. And oh, I uh, yeah. this was the only one of the Daniel Craig series that I did not uh-huh. see in the theater. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Back to Tommy back boy. Back to back to Tommy boy. Yeah. So I, uh, Dan, I, uh, do you remember like seeing Tommy boy for the first time? Vaguely, I'm pretty sure that it was a family outing to the movies. Not, I mean, a, at least like the three of us, and because uh-huh. it came out my senior year of high school, uh, and okay. I believe it it was out during like spring break. Yeah. So like, all right, you kids go to a movie. Yeah, I think it was one of those. I think I think we saw it at the Menlo Park Mall. Okay. In in New Jersey, Edison, New Jersey. Uh, uh I'm I'm pretty sure that's where we. Although mm, this might have been a new Park Cinema one. I don't know. I'm I. I I remember seeing it in the theater. I'm almost positive it was in Menlo Park. Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I I I mean, yeah, I remember seeing it. I've never been the biggest fan of it. I I've never Yeah, I mean, I get that because I think that it maybe you were a little too old for it to really hit the way that it would hit somebody five and a half years younger than you myself i uh, i mean maybe a lot like, of people my age really like it oh uh, yeah <laughs> so. no i i yeah for sure but i think that like the way that it has continued on in time i think that for people my age it was one of those rewatch ones that was just like a comfort movie uh, yeah. Not to say that people, other people wouldn't appreciate it, but I think that it was one that like, because it would get replayed on Comedy Central or HBO or whatever, you know, it was definitely just more present for uh, us people who were home more, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were just, there were other comedies from this time period that, that I, 
gravitated to much more. We mentioned Billy Madison earlier, and I Billy didn't Madison really so good. I didn't see Billy Madison for it was like a couple of years at, later, but um, you know, real Billy Madison's hilarious. I will will still watch Billy Madison on occasion. And you know, Billy Madison and Tommy Boy are two movies that do have this type of thing where they are so linked to the main like to the lead actors that uh, it really makes what we talk about on this podcast a little bit more challenging. And that, Dan, is where I ask you what you would do with this movie, given the opportunity to bring it back today. Huh? Yeah, it's 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 a tough question because it comes down to like, all right, well, do we look at kind of the formula of the movie um, you know, a comedy team uh, on the road, you know, in some type of road situation where there's these yeah. stakes. Um, in which case, like it was done before Tommy Boy. It's been done since Tommy Boy. Yeah, I think the challenge in in doing something like that n- now is uh, it it doesn't feel like you have like this general knowledge of you know like entertainment is so fragmented and it's Mm -hmm. so very much like you know choose your own entertainment so that it's not like it's not like you know everyone is watching snl and and i mean i know that like you know of course people are still building their careers and becoming you know like really big stars from from snl uh-huh. But it's kind of harder to think about uh, like kind of a, a pairing or think about. I don't, I don't think we see the SNL movies as much. No. And even though this yeah. wasn't based on a sketch, it was based in the personas that David Spade and Chris Farley right. really developed on that show. Is would geez, what would the last would MacGruber be really like the last SNL movie even though it's not really i mean still mcgruber is. i well mcgruber it well it's it's kind of like i mean yeah i don't know if mcgruber is necessarily like a, a lorne michaels uh production yeah, but, but it's also you like, know a character that was we a, saw from SNL. snl i would consider mcgruber an snl movie i mean like look at the blues brothers that's like the first yeah SNL i'm just trying to think of the last and, yeah. i'm just trying to think of what the last one would have been and I no, I think it was MacGruber. I can't think of any other characters that have been yeah. adapted into a film. I I don't know if that is really a thing that can happen anymore. <laughs> like, what what are you going to do? Like build a David a... S. Pumpkins movie? Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know the 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 Kristen Wiig character who can't keep a secret, like. But that was forever ago too. You know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's yeah, that's true. So, um, so yeah, it kind of feels like it. It kind of feels like something that it it, it its time has passed, but. I don't know. And I think in terms of like the comedy pairing, maybe the way to go with this is a not not necessarily a remake of Tommy Boy. But when I I'm wondering if I'm wondering about it, like a super bad sequel, 
like to pair I'm trying to I'm trying to think of other like comedy pairs and I'm like who are really good comedy pairs and uh-huh. I'm just thinking of Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill. in yeah. Superbad so I don't know maybe it's that maybe it's I, just you know using Tommy Boy as like a framework for uh another road movie with that type of dynamic yeah yeah it, it it's it's a tough one because then it's like you ask yourself, well, like, would this work as a series? And and uh, no, not uh-huh. not really. How do you uh, how do you carry that on? And I mean, so much of this was really built around Chris Farley and David Spade. So right. I I mean, I really think it's it's I think the answer to the question of like, oh, well, Tommy Boy, this huge like this big, you know comedy classic from the 90s how do we remake it or how do we reboot it well you don't but build new stars build like maybe we need to kind of uh, go back a little bit and look at like what what does it take like like who are the big like comedy stars now and even like all the big comedy stars aren't like like jason sudeikis but yeah he's He's kind of he's doing his the, own thing. Yeah. And he's already done a lot of those, you know, we're like, the Millers. We're the Millers. Yeah. We're the Millers is a good example of. Yeah. Of that. Well, that one is a road today, movie. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly I don't have. And a then good you answer. also have movies like The Hangover, where you do right. have the like the uh, the similar dynamics, but you kind of split them off into some more people. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just like maybe like let's let's build some new comedy stars. Let's put some people out there. I don't know. Maybe there's a uh, there's there's an opportunity to take people from SNL, maybe like a, a Bowen Yang, um, and and pair him <laughs> with someone. I John, uh-huh. I don't have a good answer for this. Do okay, you? Okay. Okay. Well, Dan, I, for this one, was thinking there is no way to replicate the chemistry that Chris Farley and David Spade had uh, in a remake or anything like that. So the clear thing for me is a prequel focusing on uh, Tom Callahan Jr., Brian Dennehy's character, and Tommy's mom, who we... All we know about her is that she's passed away and Mm -hmm. you have to wonder what happened because Tom Callahan, he seems to have his shit together and this is his son. So my thought is that, you know, it's like the 60s. um, Yeah, 60s. And and Tom Callahan, uh, you know, he inherits his father's, you know modest sized auto parts company and is he's determined to grow the business uh but he falls in love with a quirky competitor and he nearly loses his business in an effort to win her over and it's called Tammy Girl oh and i was trying to think like who would be a, an an okay younger Brian Dennehy and with the different names I've kind of like popped like popped around a little bit. Uh, and I, I wish that I didn't go with this one, but it feels right to me, but I feel like Josh Gad would be a good 
young Tom Callahan, you know, responsible, like can do like a little gruff, you know, can be that kind of person. And uh, as Tommy's mom or future mom, I guess, because he wouldn't have been born yet, Jillian Bell, uh, who's fantastic. And and she's such a great physical comedian. Uh, I feel like, you know, without trying to replicate Chris Farley's, you know, spastic movements, still just kind of being like a bit of a mess of a person, but being like super funny. Uh, she's great in 22 Jump Street. I uh, I don't know if you remember her in 22 Jump Street, but she's absolutely yeah. amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm so, so yeah, I, I'm, I go very back and forth on Jillian Bell. I do think that really? she is a excellent suggestion for this. Yeah, yeah, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's great in Britney Runs a Marathon. I, I mean, everything I've seen her in, she's really good. Um, I think that she'd be a lot of fun in a in a role like this. That's in a more like '90s comedy type of movie. And uh, as far as directors go, I was actually thinking Natalie Morales. Uh, she directed the movie Plan B. She also did a movie called Language Lessons, uh, mm-hmm. and she like Plan B is fantastic, and it definitely felt more like a more like a '90s comedy. Uh, similar in in a way to um, to Booksmart, and okay. and and I would say also like Olivia Wilde would be a totally great director for this, also, um, given what you know, we see that she did with like book smart and I'm excited for, uh, is it cocaine bear that she's doing? Or something oh like that? yes. Yeah. Yes. Very much. So anyway, that. that's kind of where, where my head was for this one. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's one was a tough nut to crack. Jeez. And we thought yeah. we were going to have a challenge with Amadeus, <laughs> you know, Amadeus, that one, uh, it just clicked at a certain point. But, you know, it, I feel like that what's fun about this show is that we can sometimes challenge ourselves. And, oh, uh, and yeah. this one was a little bit more of a push because it is one where the movie is so heavily linked to the actors in it. Yeah. And there's just also it's like the story doesn't lend itself to to being a, a musical, which is, is right. usually the good like kind of cop out. I mean, you could do a whole number on Fat Guy in a Little Coat. Well, yes, Fat Guy in a Little Coat could definitely be its own musical number, but uh, I I don't think there are... I do think the Rob Lowe and Bo Derek characters would work well in a musical. Oh, Dan, see, now you're starting to convince yourself that it's a good idea. You're right, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and hey, um, you know what? You know, we totally did not mention uh, Julie Warner, who plays... Oh, yeah. um, Oh, uh, what's uh, what's the character's name? Michelle. Uh, Michelle, thank you. Yeah, she's great. Uh, yeah, no, Julie Julie Warner. So, yeah, she does a she's she's great and... as Tommy's love interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so... you buy it too. You you know you can tell that she really just loves his. I don't know his warmth, his energy. Yeah, they've got a yeah. nice chemistry. They really do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Tommy Boy? No, not really. Well, before you you None introduce what we're going to do in the next episode, 
I want to send a special thank you to everybody who has purchased items on our Tee Public store. Uh, the link to that is on our link tree in our episode description. Uh, yeah, we've been getting some sales from there, and it's been really encouraging. And I know that there's going to be a lot of, uh, they're going to put a lot of the items on sale leading up to the the Christmas, the Christmas time, the buying time. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, lots of cool mugs, tote bags, face masks, shirts. Hoodies. Lots of fun stuff. Lots yeah. of fun stuff uh, on there. And yeah, we're going to keep coming up with some more ideas. But yeah. we've got a lot of great ones on there so far. So It's fun when I can see which ones are being purchased. And it's just like, huh, okay. There's a Jesse Plemons fan out there who's going to have a very Merry Christmas. And as well they should. Yeah. As well. I Look, hope it's if you're... Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they are. They're working together on something again, aren't they? Uh, I think I, mean, I saw being being married people. Oh, are they? Oh, I didn't yeah. realize they were married. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think they are oh, working I, something together, though. I know that they were. They did the season. Well, season they did two Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. No. Good way to go, Jesse Plemons. All right. We way love Jesse, Jesse Plemons, Plemons here. Yeah. We like. Yeah. I think someone got an Oscar Isaac mug. That's cool. Nice, nice, Oscar yeah. Isaac. And send hey. us your pictures of your stuff that you get. Uh, yes. We'd love to see it. Um, but yeah. Please do. Uh, and, and of course, check us out on our social medias also in that link tree. But Dan, what is next? Well, next, we don't have any merch for uh, for this yet. But uh, the idea train is is on the tracks. And hopefully it doesn't get held up by Billy the Kid and his gang, because we're talking about Young Guns and Young oh Guns boy. 2. Oh, boy. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Blaze of glory. Oh, man. I am excited. Shut I haven't seen these movies since I was a kid. in a blaze of glory. Oh, yeah. Crank up the Bon Jovi. Young Guns. I Get ready it. for Young Guns. Uh, yeah. Streaming so. on Hulu. Check it out. Uh, yeah. So, Dan, as you are trying to sell 500,000 units of brake pads, I wish you a good journey. Brake pads for the American people. Good journey. Come 